0: Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. At the tone, please record your message. When you finished recording,
1: well, welcome back to an episode of Backlash Podcast. Apparently, Carrie isn't going to join me on a uh, intro. I was going to just jump in and make her, uh, you know, go right off the cuff. I was going to say, "Hey, Carrie, we're recording live. Let's do this intro right now." But apparently, she's not going to do that. So if you're looking for your gear for your next musky fishing adventure, why don't you check out teamrhinooutdoors.com. I think we finally have almost all of the KO colors up there from Musky mayhem tackle, as well as another order that just got dropped off today. So if you want, head to the website right now. I know that almost, all, almost everything's up. It's not all the way there, but hopefully by the time this episode comes out, it will be. But the most popular stuff is the triggers, the detonators, the showgirls, the junior cowgirls. All that stuff is available in new KO colors from Musky Mayhem. And we've gotten, uh, what else did we get in recently? I think we talked about it last week. We got in some rig bosses. And we got some castable flies in from Months Angling. Those are pretty cool too. The, uh, As seen on and Keys Outdoors this past season, we got those. You don't need a special gear. You don't need anything for them. You just use your conventional bait casting gear. Same stuff you're always used to. And uh, it's got, there's not much that, that has that same kind of action to it. So that's pretty cool. Uh, we have a new a couple new custom colors from uh, Joe Booker Outdoors online, at least in the Depth Raiders and the Shallow Raiders, the 7-inch Shallow Raiders. And we should have the rest of the stuff here pretty soon. I don't know if it'll make it online before you hear this because I don't have it yet. They're supposed to be shipping it soon. But so we got two more colors from them. And that's about all I got. If, if you're looking for the original big bladed flashy boo bucktail Make sure you check out muskymayhemtackle.com. If you're looking for some mini grenades, those are new for this season. They have you covered there, as well as the grenade and rabid squirrels and rabid girls and junior cowgirls and cowgirls and triggers and detonators, the whole thing, the whole uh, revolution of blades they have there. Check them out at muskymayhemtackle.com. Our guest this week is Kevin Pishke with Lay in the Line Guide Service out of Green Bay. And we're going to, of course, talk a little bit about Green Bay. We'll talk a little bit about side imaging and forward-facing sonar and the advantages to a lot of that stuff. And uh, we'll kind of get you started for a season in the north because the northern season is rolling upon us quickly. I needed somebody in uh, short notice because I have a very busy schedule as we're recording this. I'm supposed to be at jury duty this week. And fortunately, the first day got canceled for me, so I'll have to call in here later tonight and see if I get to go and uh, and do it the rest of the week. But you know, the, uh, the God shined upon me. I didn't have to go in today, so we'll see what happens the rest of it. And, and I get one week off, and then I get to go call back in for five more days at the end of the week or at the end of the month. So what uh, was supposed to be potentially 10 days is now nine, and hopefully it gets less than that. But uh, Brad, he's still on hiatus. He's off uh, chasing muskies, filming TV shows, and some segments for the Mayhem's 10,000 casts. If you want, you can check that out on YouTube. You can check it out on uh, Roku. That'd be the KO TV channel app. You can find it there. And I think that about wraps up most of the uh, intro type stuff since Carrie didn't pick up the phone. I have nobody else here to uh, BS with. So I'm just going to dial up my conversation I had with Kevin Pishke, Lay in the Line Guide service. All right, my guest this week is Kevin Pishke with Lay in the Line Guide Service, and Kevin's guiding primarily out of the Green Bay area. Not even primarily. I think that's the only place you do guide. Is that right, Kevin?
0: About 98% would be Green Bay, yes.
1: And Kevin's making a trip home, so there might be a little bit of background noise, but you'll have to deal with it because I'm kind of under the gun. I got no Brad to help me out this week, and I'm supposed to be at jury duty right now, but fortunately I got canceled today, so I was actually able to get a podcast out, and I need to get this one edited. so. I might have some jury duty tomorrow. I don't know. It's one of those fun little things with, uh, you know, you're doing your civic duty and you need to call in every night to make sure they do or do not need you tomorrow. So I'm hoping they don't need me tomorrow. That would definitely help out my schedule. And then on top of that, I have track meets for kids and baseball practice. So it's fun. I'm waiting for school to be over with. It really eases my schedule up a little bit. But anyways, we're fumbling through it. We're going to get a uh, podcast out this week and, you know, we're uh, fresh off the Southern Wisconsin Opener. And Kevin, you you talked to me previously, and you, no fishing yet for you. What's going on with that?
0: So my boat was getting refinished from a little uh, Canadian road problem last fall. And obviously, the uh, boat, there's only one boat body shop, if you want to call it that, hull shop uh, in the greater Green Bay area. And when you're the only guy and you do good work, you're booked up. So my boat is wrapped up. I should be getting it back at the end of this week, so I can go put a scratch in the brand-new paint job. But uh, once we get stuff thrown back in it, uh, I'll be back on the water. I actually was hoping to fish Elkhart this afternoon, but I was rowing America for the day and it poured down there all day. So I didn't even uh, hound a certain other cabin if he'd meet me at the launch with his boat this afternoon. So I'm headed north
1: back to Green Bay. Right. Well, that's a bummer. It would have been nice to be able to sneak in a uh, little southern Wisconsin trip. And ahead of the northern opener, I think we have, what, three weeks? Is that what it is? Two more weekends. And then the third weekend, I think you can finally fish.
0: Yeah, I would say we're what, 20, uh, no, 21 minus three. So my math stinks. I'm going to say we're 18 days out. I'm thinking day. Day.
1: Yeah. And so by the time you hear this, if my math is right, it'll be roughly like 16, 15, 16 days before, you know, we started off by the uh, Northern Wisconsin opener. And Kevin, you know, obviously you, you got out in Green Bay, but let's, let's start, let's just talk about, you know, fishing coming up this season. You got any trips scheduled? Are you heading out of Green Bay area at all?
0: Yeah, I mean, other than my bookings on the bay, we'll be doing a couple of runs up to Vilas. I'm going to run south so you won't fish uh, once the bay slows down after opener, hit some of the southern stuff yet. And then uh, Canada, September, a couple family trips. You never know. Maybe get you in the boat for a couple
1: days, uh, make something happen. That would be awesome to get in the boat once again. Although yeah. I will say that when you and I get in the boat, usually <laughs> I wouldn't say magic always happens. That's for sure. Like it's always... Like, no matter how the weather, like, if the weather could be perfect leading up to it. It could be even decent in the morning, but by the time it's over, like, the weather is just not going to be good in our favor. That's for sure.
0: Great. Uh, we've proven that on days we've caught fish and days we haven't caught fish. It always gets ugly.
1: Yes. Yes, I was going to say, regardless of whether we put fish in the net or not, which, you know, it's probably roughly 50% success rate, But you know, I'm guessing, which is... I mean, about fair for musky fishing and, you know, but I, I do know this, the weather is not going to, it's not going to play a, a good role in it. It's, we don't, you know, we don't have those nice calm days on the bay and, you know, perfect for casting or trolling. It's always going to be some sort of crap.
0: Correct. If I remember correctly, even our, our main voyage with you and the family on the pontoon boat off on Pelican, we ended up getting rained on with the kids.
1: <laughs> That's a ways back though.
0: It is. We were young.
1: Yeah. Not anymore. Neither are our kids. No. I mean, yours is off drumming in bands and at bars and stuff, so it's it's crazy how fast life takes a turn that way.
0: It does, yeah. Getting his uh, learner's permit here coming up, wrenching on his dirt bike, so that's always busy. Yep. And you, I, I, you know, I look at it with one. I'm like, how do you and Melissa handle it going, you know, three, four different directions some days?
1: Yeah, we don't sleep much, and then... Uh, I mentioned track meets, so my my uh, older son Austin he decided it'd be a good idea to get into track this year. Which uh, I gotta tell you, as a parent, like going to a track meet is pretty brutal. I think I may have sent a text to somebody saying I think I'd rather watch paint dry, but um, you know I'm not positive that was the exact word, but it must have been close. But so that's been like two nights out of the week. And I my first track meet, this is not fishing related at all. I thought, oh, this is fine. We'll go to a track meet. It'll be like a baseball game, right? You're there for an hour and you're out of there. No. Yep. We were there for four hours the first night. It was freezing cold. Of course, Austin had to run like one of the last events and I'm just like shaking my head going like, I do not have time for this, but I try to play the role of good dad as much as I can. I try to be there at all that stuff. And then, you know, of course I decided I'd coach both their baseball teams. I, I coach one and I assistant coach the other one. And it's just like, yeah, it's,
0: it's uh, well, fun. Flip it back to the track thing though. So I ran cross country through high school if you're going to coach something like the running sports are easier because you know when a kid doesn't do good. You know what you tell them next time you got to run faster.
1: Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. That's it. Yep. Just work harder. That's all work harder. Right. All right. Well, let's get back on track. Let's talk a little bit about fishing this season. Oh, so, we're on track. Um, well, we were, but I don't know that everybody else wants to hear about, you know, running cross country and track, but I'm, I'm just guessing. But, um, uh, Let's talk a little bit about Green Bay. You know, so here I was thinking, uh, let's see here, when was that? Second week in April, everything was like 80 degrees. I thought, oh, this is going to be perfect. Like, we're going to be on, you know, on track for early spring. You know, I was like, wow, that Green Bay bite in the river isn't going to be so hot. That's going to be spawning fish early. And then everything went to garbage right after that so i'm assuming you know obviously we we got two weeks to go yet when this one comes out roughly and i'm assuming that there will probably be a bite in the river this season don't you feel
0: i i feel there will you know we got a couple warm days coming up but then again we're going to hit with some rain after that and cooler temperatures i think there's still going to be a bite in the river uh for the guys that can't or don't want to adventure out and try and find fish on their own We'll just have to see, like, the one biggest thing is the clarity out there. With all this rain and wind for the last two months, it has been chocolate milk out there more than it's been, I wouldn't say clear, but cleaner.
1: Which, you know, that's nothing new for you out there. You've seen that problem, you know, plenty of times before, I'm assuming.
0: Oh, yeah. It can go from, you know, you get, obviously, current flowing north, get a big rain that brings all that muck up and everything, you know, from the Winnebago system up. Or you get the opposing direction wind, which, you know, creates turbulent water and just stirs it up. And that river is, you know, obviously it's dirtier more than it is clean.
1: So let's talk about that. If people want to venture into the river, you got some coming, because Green Bay, it's obviously a destination. I mean, you probably see it more than ever. You know, I see plates in in the parking lot from Minnesota. I see them from Wisconsin. I see them from Illinois. I see them from Michigan. You know, so these people are not necessarily just locals that are fishing Green Bay now. It's, like I said, it's a destination. When people from Minnesota are coming to fish Green Bay, you know that there's big fish there. So if people are making the venture over opening weekend, what can they expect?
0: Uh, it's going to be crowded. So, you know, kind of pick your spots, fish with some courtesy, and just keep your eyes open, pay attention to other boats because you never know what the guy next to you is doing or what they're going to try. So just, you know, good old head on the swivel. Uh, but you know, don't let it get you down. Uh, if you know, if you're willing to sit out there and slug it out and put in your time, it can be pretty rewarding. But you know, again, just be patient and be courteous.
1: All right. And for those folks that are, like, what are you looking for? If you're fishing a river, is the whole thing good or you, is there certain spots you're looking for? What's, what's the game plan behind these oh, rivers?
0: Oh, you know, if it's clean. You know, and you can see them up in the shallows, you know, doing their thing, whether they're, you know, spawning or just swimming around looking for a partner. Or, you know, you got the, you'll see a lot of times when there's a couple of big females paired up and then you know there's going to be some males sitting around that are ornery. Uh, you know, that is probably your best, you know, conditions. Otherwise, if it gets a little muddy, it gets a little murky, look for the fastest moving water. Anywhere that water is moving fast, there's a split, you know, because of, you know, Bridge footings, whatever, pilings, that kind of thing. Or you have where the shoreline, you know, cuts out and cuts in, which, you know, kind of changes the current direction. That's the stuff you really want to, you know, concentrate on, where you've got a change in the, you know, the direction or the speed of the flow. A lot of times, when you know, bait gets hung up in those areas, those little eddies, those little breaks, which, you know, the baits there, it brings in the medium stuff, which brings in the big stuff. That you want to look for any time you have those shorelines that change. You go from, you know, a steel wall to rock rip to you know, gravel, to sand and back and forth. You know, they well they love those areas, they're ambush points. And then the other thing you want to look for and that's more in the situation of the clear, shallow water, you get that slime that's on the bottom that just looks like a like a dark spot, like a big dark circle. You know, size of a golf green kind of thing. You know, is that a shadow? Is that on the bottom? Typically, that's that slimy stuff just starting to grow on the bottom. And I've seen more guys pass by those and don't fish them. And I'll always have clients throw up on them. They'll look at you like you're dumb. But those fish, when they lay tight on that stuff, you don't see them until they shoot off of it. And then half the time they go, you're in clear water and two feet. The person that you told to cast over that, they both have a heart attack and they stop reeling or they rip their bait out of the water. But, you know, there's definitely stuff to concentrate on. But like I said, you know, move in water anywhere it's getting split getting turned coming back uh, that's going to be key and then also clean water i love if i'm going to fish the river after we have had rains. i love to find the little ditches, the runoffs where the clean rain is dumping in because you would think it muddy the water up but it's actually cleaner higher oxygenated water coming you know obviously from the rain and the runoff and they'll hang pretty tight you know in those areas
1: all right, now Kevin, uh, this is, doesn't necessarily pertain to catching fish on opening weekend, but like, what is the outlook on, on Green Bay? It seems to me like I've seen more and more small fish and you know, there's still those super tankers out there, which is what's keeping everybody, you know, wanting to go there, but it looks like, you know, I, a couple years ago, I guess I couldn't have said this, but it, I think I can now, it looks like the future is looking brighter, I would say for Green Bay. Would you agree with that?
0: Definitely. I had last fall, I had my best numbers in years. But everything was under forty-two inches for the most part. You know, a lot of 36, 38, 40, 42s, which was when you're having you know a five-fish day trolling in late October or early November. That was awesome. You know, especially when you had you know, a kid in the boat or somebody new to muskie fishing. It just seemed like we were kind of missing that like forty-five, forty-six to forty-eight, forty-nine, fifty range, like in there, because there was a lot of, and I don't want to call them small because you know you still caught a musky. But that upper 30s, low 40s, and then it was, you know, that week in September when I was in Canada, which I was fine with when all those 52s, 53s, 54s were getting caught. It just seemed like we were missing that, you know, those, like I said, 46 to almost 50s. They were still getting caught, but we didn't have the numbers of them. So hopefully that's kind of the end of some of that issues we had going on years past with stocking and, you know, disease. And we're going to, you know, from the amount of, like I said, 36 to 42-inch fish I put in a boat last year, the next six, seven, eight years is going to be phenomenal.
1: Right. And from what I understand, I mean, it's still getting very good stocking numbers now. I know for a little while that had dwindled because of the VHS thing, it kind of put a damper on it a little bit, but it seems like it's, you know, back full full steam again. And I mean, it's not quite to what it was at the peak numbers, but I mean, the number of fish they're pumping into that thing every single year is fairly solid from what I understand.
0: Yeah. The numbers are back up there. I know there was a little lull with some COVID issues. Imagine that. But, they're, you know, they're back at it. And, again, they're stocking the same amount of fish. It's just they're stocking them throughout the bay. It's just not dumping, you know, 16,000 fingerlings in the Fox River anymore. It's, you know, some in the Fox River, Suamico, go, you know, Pensacke, Okano, Pescego, Marinette Menominee. They're going over to Sturgeon Bay with them in that way. So, definitely... You know, the fish are getting more spread out, which makes it more fun because you can go get, you know, I don't say get lost because there's people hanging everywhere, but you can spread out a little more. It's not the conga line or, you know, the trains, you know, going down the tracks in University Bay, like it was 17, 18 years ago when we were out there, you know, earlier on.
1: You know, the odd thing about it is early season, it never used to get the pressure that it gets now. I mean, it used to be a fall pressure thing. But it never used to be an early season pressure thing like it has the, the past, um, well, I don't know, I'm getting old. Maybe it's six years going on now or so where, I mean, you, you saw that people were having success early season. Word really travels quickly. And next thing you know, it, it that following season, it exploded. So you never really always saw that early season pressure like you do now. No, and I'm
0: going to say even, I, I would say easily it's been eight years.
1: Okay. but it Definitely could be. I mean, you know, time, time flies when you're having fun. Yes, it does. Uh, you know, a lot of it is
0: with, you know, social media and YouTube. Everybody flocks to that river in early in the year because, quote, unquote, it's easy. There's fish in there. So, you know, they can go get their five minutes of fame kind of thing. And that's that's a ton of it is people see it, you know, on the Internet and want to come do it, and want to be the next guy that you know, put a big fish. So it brings people. And it's. You know, not that it's easy to fish the river because it still can be tough in spring, but, you know, get on the river and get in line. It's like the walleye thing when the river opens up. You you know, it's the second week that the river's open. You could walk across the darn thing because everybody wants to get out there and catch their 30-incher because that's where they are. Right. So it is popular, and, you know, every, you know, that's the downfall of social media and YouTube is everybody sees it, so everybody wants to come do it.
1: Yeah, I won't disagree. There's good, I uh, will, we'll say there's good and bad to social media. We don't, I'm not going to debate yeah. it all day, you know, like for me selling fishing lures, I mean, social media has probably helped. It's helped my business. It's helped fishing in general, right? It's brought a lot of attention to fishing, especially to, well, maybe say younger anglers that were probably disinterested in fishing. They're playing Minecraft and doing whatever. So it's helped build that, but it's at the same time, it's also created a, you know, a lot of pressure.
0: It has, you know, and to support you and Stealth and Lakewood and St. Croix and everybody else, you know, I got to be out there. I got to be putting stuff out there. And so do other people and you know, the same thing to be generating business. You know, people don't read magazines anymore. They don't go to shows and seminars. They watch YouTube videos. I mean, my 14-year-old just stripped his brand new dirt bike down and pretty much redid the in and the out of the engine by watching YouTube videos. So it's it's the new way. And if you're, not, if you're not there, you don't exist kind of thing. So you, you got to do it. So it's the double-edged sword.
1: Absolutely. You know, and you know, we, talk, we hear about the super shad wrap. That's the bait that you need to be trolling. Is there, is there that bait that everybody should have in their tackle box for early season casting when you're... And we'll, we'll talk rivers right now. I'm, I kind of do want to pick your brain a little bit about, you know, venturing out. Is there that bait, that must-have bait that you have to have like the, uh, like the super shad?
0: So early season casting, I'm going to have clients throw in the single eight and double eight from Lungeon with the, like they call it their hybrid skirt. So it has the, you know, the silicone and some tinsel in it. I'm going to have them throw in the smaller stuff from Toothies or even the, uh, like the single blade saber with a big rubber tail. I like that for a big profile uh, in spring. Regular size swimming dogs from Muskie Innovations. I really love the shallow ones. I, I like the wobble in the profile uh, of that wider body in the shell a little better. Uh, even twitching the five and now six inch slammers, which were phenomenal last year, uh, you know, I'll, that's what we'll be throwing all day long. Really, really dirty water. I'm going to revert back. Well, now Lungeon has it, but I'm going to revert back to Tony and the guys from Kentucky and even have somebody throw rattle baits some days because they will produce up here. Uh, especially if you got somebody new to muskie fish and you can give them a lighter setup with an easier lure to throw uh, and have them pick out those spots and just, Stuff to death on the river, and lo and behold, they'll catch a lot of fish doing that. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going with, and maybe even, you know, if I have people in the boat that can work a bait, and weather conditions are right, that we're not getting blown too fast, I'll have uh, guys throwing little baby squirrels because I heard those do well.
1: I heard. I heard they're impossible to find. The company that was involved there is terrible, but we won't talk about that. I know that guy pretty well, and it's it's a it's a struggle. Let's just say that.
0: So yeah, that's what that's what we're gonna throw early on. Uh, I mean, I won't hold back on colors. Most people that have been in my boat or seen any of my stuff, they know. Like, if I have a luncheon on and early in the year, it's that flowage cash green. You know that you know deep rich dark green and the black. And with the uh, toothy stuff, it's gonna be orange and black or golden, uh, like you know brown, which you wouldn't think would work good on the river and the bay early in the year, but it does. And then on those Slammers, I'm just going to go, you know, natural colored stuff. What's in there? Shad, right? So go silvers, a little purple, maybe a perch if it's super torn up. Uh, start throwing on some of the bigger stuff. I know there's a, one of my favorite colors, that KP perch. Uh, is going to work well kind of thing. But just, you know, last year, that stock Fire Tiger color from Slammer outdid almost, you know, everything.
1: That's not what I want to hear. I want to hear all TRO customers, none of the stock stuff.
0: I did that on purpose, Yeah, Yes, <laughs> get in
1: line. The Piero colors. If the first two letters of the color are KP, you need to buy them. Uh, <laughs> there is that, you know. Yeah. There, there's but something no, to do uh, that KP. I mean, it's, it's put some stuff in the boat for a lot of anglers all over the place. It's definitely one of our better-selling uh, slammer colors. It's like a souped-up version of Fire Tiger.
0: It is. Then that's actually, I, I won't take full credit for that. That was actually a color Dennis Radloff wanted. 20 years ago and Bill painted up a couple of them and then they kind of just like hit the back burner and Dennis, I got a lot of stuff from Dennis when he retired and that was one bait that I always ran and did really well on. And finally I, I'm like, Bill, what are we going to do with this color? And he's like, you know, he was shocked that I had those. And that's where, that's where that one came. So it's actually the Radloff perch, but we'll call it KP.
1: Okay. It's kind of like Radloff Bay in the, uh, in the river too. He's a, I mean, he's one of those guys I, we got to get on the podcast sometime because he, He truly did pioneer a lot of what's going on out in Green Bay. I mean, he laid the the foundation for many, many anglers. He did. And he did it his way, and he did it off the radar and just low-key like the guy was. Yeah, absolutely. He did it during a time where... You know, and we don't want to say it's that long ago, but it's been a while since Dennis has been out there fishing, and he did it during a time where you had to do it the, the old-fashioned way. There was no social media sor- shortcuts, in a se- you know, in, in a sense to say. It. There's no other better word to say, I guess, but that's kind of what it was, you know. Right. I mean, free side imaging, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. What kind of electronics are you running these years, these these days, and are you uh, are you a pro? Um, forward-facing sonar or not?
0: Uh, so I run garments. So obviously, I do use the forward-facing sonar. I use it to adjust our day. I do not use it to dictate our fishing. Uh, I'm not the guy that runs around just looking for fish all day. I'm not the guy that will sit there and just target one fish forever and ever because if it's not going to eat, it's not going to eat. I will obviously, if we see things, if we see follows, we know we're moving fish, but we're not doing everything exactly right. If we're not moving them at all, you know, and seeing the fish, obviously, you know, the fish are in a negative mood. So I will use it to obviously adjust our day, change things up, come back, yes, and, you know, go after those fish. But it's no different than somebody sitting there and, you know, putting up pictures of shadows of muskie in their mega side imaging, and saying, oh, I picked this one up 35 feet, you know, off the side of the boat when I saw it on mega side image. So... You know, everybody's got their personal opinion on it. I'm not running around with seven transducers, you know, trying to find every fish out there. We're just using it to make our day better and more productive. Right. And it is, especially guiding, if I have, you know, two people that are newer to a captain, you know, the water's a little rough, so I'm just running a trolling motor. I'm not, you know, casting, you know, third in line or whatever. It's super nice to be able to, like, hey, you know, follow the boat, You, you got a fish following you kind of thing to kind of, you know, get sometimes, you know, People getting a little lull when they're reeling and retrieving baits and they're not paying attention. So it is nice to be able to keep somebody in, but you got to do it right. So you don't crap out of them. And you know, the next thing you know, they quit reeling or they yank the bait out of the water, like happens a lot. So
1: it's a tool. Right. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, it is a tool and you know, I bet you many of our listeners, myself included, we don't know how to use our tools. We'll start with the side imaging tool. We don't know how to use that properly. And now you're going to throw this tool in. Is this tool easier or harder to learn than side imaging is
0: oh that's a good question
1: man i mean because i'm willing to bet that the majority of us don't know how to prop like we, we don't properly use our side imaging we might use it to uh some some degree but not not to the full effect that many of these anglers are out there doing it and you know no. i guess the reason i yeah. ask is like everybody assumes that you, you get a forward facing sonar and it's going to be a piece of cake and and it's going to destroy fisheries. But I am I guess more as I'm getting at it, is like how many people are actually going to take the time to know it and learn it the way they really should?
0: Right. I think the uh, side imaging can be way more forgiving than the live imaging because if you're not staring at the live imaging screen 24-7, you miss things, right? If a fish swims by the boat, it's gone. Whereas, you know, you're casting, you're working your bait, all of a sudden you look down your side imaging and just scrolling off the screen – you know, is a huge shadow. You hit the screen, you slide it back, and you're like, hey, you know, 50 feet behind us, 35 feet towards shore, we just went by a big fish kind of thing. So, you know, you have that, whereas the live imaging, it's, you know, they can be there and gone. If you weren't seeing it, weren't paying attention,
1: you missed it. Yeah, I mean, I get, that, yeah. Does, that does make a lot of sense to it, and not everybody wants to yep. do that either. I mean, when you're right. out there it, nowadays, I'm not, I'm not on the water like you are. What do you suppose the amount of anglers that are using this technology are? I've, I've heard that it went at the PMTT. There was lots of people using it in the pre-fishing, you know, phase of things. But like, your Joe average angler, like, how many of these, you know, poles are you seeing out there when you're out in Green Bay all the time?
0: not a quarter of the boats. Maybe an eighth of the boats you're seeing that have, you know, the whether it be the Brew City or the Trax Techs. You know for the live you, you know how many guys have the 3d or the you know the mega bird stuff already mounted on their trolling motor that i couldn't tell you but you're you're seeing more of it and let's not even get into it but i was just gonna drop this statement the one the thing that scares me though is like they like the live scope and fish that you're taking to eat that's what worries me you know is when you can sit there in a school of fish with live scope and did it ice fishing two years ago and you're like this could be dangerous where you're just sitting stationary you know, picking fish off the bottom. They still have to eat, but that's the aspect that makes me go, this could be, you know, an abused tool. Whereas with the musky fishing, you know, we're, we're watching them, we're trying to get them, you know, we see them on our side imaging all the time. Uh, where I do really like it is jigging musky. You know, you get some of them fish off the deep breaks, you know, and you want to try and jig for them a little bit, that's where the, you know, that forward-facing will be down-facing at the time. You know sonar can really come in handy it's kind of neat to watch those musky react to your baits when you're taking them
1: yeah i think you bring up a good point there with you know the conservation end of it it's going to be up to us anglers to make sure that we don't decimate fisheries because everybody thinks it's a you know infinite resource and it definitely is not i mean it's renewable but it takes a while to renew you know we want to still make sure that we have you know good fishing well into the future so not so much like you said on the musky side of things although you know i mean every. You know, without being that guy, like every muskie that we catch does have a degree of mortality, right? Whether we do oh, everything, yeah. everything perfect or not. I mean, fish are going to die regardless, whether, right. you know, whether you do it on purpose or not, that's not the point. You know, obviously we're not out there trying to kill fish, but like, right. you know, anytime we're out there fishing for muskies, like bad things can happen. Right. I mean, I've had fish just, just cast in a suic For example, I got sharp hooks on my suic There's three of them on there. I mean, it, it'll, th- you yeah. know, they come up, they thrash, they roll, Next thing you know, you got the suic stuck in their side or their face or whatever. I mean, that's not good for them either. So, I mean, just oh, being caught is, is detrimental to their health. So, I mean. Right. It's
0: just some... Exactly. Like, we are completely yanking them out of their environment. It'd be like tying a rope on you, making you run 100 yards while we're pulling you back. Right? And then holding you under what? Like, right. We're not, we can handle these fish as best as we can, but we are kind of, we're taking them out of their environment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing, too, is you got to watch would be uh, anglers catching them out of deeper water. Obviously, that's something that's probably a little bit easier for them to do. You know, summertime, if they're close yep. to the thermo- thermocline or deeper, you know, it's not a good idea to chase them there. There's just certain things that I think that anglers are going to have to police themselves because you're not going to legislate stuff or DNR is not going to, they're, they're not going to enforce no. how deep you can fish a muskie, right? But, I'm, I mean... A, a muskie bite right. in deep water like that, and it's not it's not right. in their best interest to to be taken out of the water from thirty feet down.
0: No, it's no different than you know in late winter hammer hammering crappies that are sitting in forty feet of water twenty-five feet down. Every crappie you reel up, you know, his air bladder is gonna go and it's gonna die. So you you gotta watch that. And I look at it this way, right? Like I'm sure our grandfathers were really upset when flashers came out, right? Because everybody's gonna fish and then our dads were like really nuts when sonar came out because everybody's going to catch all the fish and now we're going nuts about you know forward-facing sonar so as long as we you know remain conservative minded and don't over harvest the resources which there's plenty of people that do that without electronics in their boat i think we'll be okay You know if a tournament to make a rule let them make a rule if you don't like it don't fish it
1: it's funny that you say that, though, about um, you know, that you bring up the the, the uh, circle of life as far as, like, our dads being mad about this. And the one thing I don't know, maybe I just missed it, was, was there a big uproar when uh, side imaging came in? Because I think we can say that side imaging really, really did change the game as far as fishing and every type of fishing.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't think there was that big of an uproar, but... You know, when that came out, we didn't have the instant communication with thousands of people on the Internet like we do now. So if there was, you know, those were the days I remember logging on to Muskie First and Lake Link to read the forums. Right. It was was a pain in the butt, right? It's like now, oh, I'm bored. Let me look at my phone. What? You look at the way that guy's holding this fish. I better screenshot and send that to, you know, Jeff and John and make us think about it.
1: Right. (laughs) Oh yeah. The good old days. Were, were we nice for society back then? Cause I don't remember all the bickering back in, uh, you know, musky first or was, you know, or were they just getting deleted just that fast?
0: It moral might've been on his game back then, but it was just too much work. Right. You sit down, log in again, you know, fire up the laptop, you know, dial in on AOL, you know, make sure their call waiting is turned off. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah, like yeah. I said, I don't remember the stink there. And, I mean, I, I'm assuming you, if you had to pick one of the two, we've probably talked about this a few times on the podcast, you're still going to be going with side imaging over forward-facing sonar, aren't you?
0: I, yeah, I think so, definitely. Like I said, it's, you know, it's way more forgiving. You can look at the screen, you can watch what's going on. And I think I'm going to put this out there since we're on side imaging. To me, the biggest mistake people make with their side imaging is they're, especially trolling where I see it, they're running it out, you know, 150 feet and they're watching stuff going on that far out. Yeah, you're seeing what's going on, but they're only running baits, you know, 50, 60 feet off the boat. So you really got to know what you're doing with that and know your limits and, uh, you know, what you're actually fishing and what you're just looking at.
1: All right. So, you know, we've kind of touched on a variety of topics. Let's talk about adventuring further out into the bay. I don't, I know that you kind of get out in the beat, you know, off the beaten path and you're doing some different stuff and I don't necessarily want you to name, you know, which spots you're fishing and whatever, but you know, what is it that you're looking for if you decide that you don't want to go fish with the crowds and you want to try to get out in the bay chasing muskies? Uh, you're talking early in the season? Yeah, I would say definitely. I mean, the first couple of weeks of the season. Yep. Uh,
0: you know, I'm looking for clean water. Areas where we've got creeks, rivers dumping in, Uh, love sand areas. You can have some weeds coming up on those. So that sort of thing, you know, humps, bumps out there, contours. Uh, You know, like I said, with those fish being stocked all up and down the river nowadays or up and down the bay, uh, there's a lot of places for them to go. So there's plenty of, you know, there's plenty of areas. There's different bays. Uh, Like I said, there's, you know, tributaries, all that kind of stuff. Get on, you know, Google Maps, Google Earth, side by side with your, you know, whatever mapping you know you have and uh, start looking at things and trying to find and replicate you know if you know an area is good see if that area is replicated you know 10 miles 20 miles 30 miles further and a lot of times it is and guys also have to remember too at let's just say you know everybody like little sturgeon's no seeker right that river might be 64 degrees and mud full of carp well you know you know little sturgeon's not going to be dirty, muddy, you know, full of carp, right? It's probably going to be six to eight degrees Oh, Let's say, you know, four to six degrees cooler yet. So as that, you know, we get into June, don't be afraid to make your way, you know, further north because they don't all spawn on the same time and they don't all spawn on that river.
1: All right. I've kind of had enough fun talking about Green Bay. Sometimes, I, I mean, it's great to talk about it, but sometimes it feels like uh, everybody's doing the same thing out there. Let's talk about your trips to Canada once. So I'll let you go here shortly, but... You know, what is it about Canada that keeps you going up there? It's peaceful. Uh, <laughs> so it's not, mean, so it's, it's not like Green Bay, right? I mean, that way. Right. Yeah, let's just put that into focus. I, we had a great, uh, minus
0: the ground up granite road that destroyed four boats uh, on the way in and out. We had a r- good year up there in September, and that was that week when there were multiple you know, over 53 to 55 inch fish on the bay con. I looked at it and we had wifi in the lodge. I'm like, Oh, nice fish. And then I walked outside and I looked at the prettiest sunset I'd seen, you know, since i had been to Canada the year prior, it's just, it's just a whole different ball game up there. You're fishing, you know, hundreds of thousands of acres and you see two boats, right? Like other than our group of five, I think I saw a total of six boats that we, we were on, uh, Lake of the woods last fall. And it was, it was just phenomenal. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I on like day three, maybe day two or day three. Uh, There's a Shimano guy in the boat with me, and I just kind of looked at him and he said, Kevin, you got a weird look on your face. I'm like, hey, I just realized something. He's like, what? I'm like, I haven't heard a siren in three days. And he kind of looked at me funny. I'm like, never mind. You know, it was just like, I realized, like, I'm, I'm at my peace up there. It's quiet, it's beautiful, the fishing's phenomenal. Uh, I'll give Todd a plug at Tamarack Island. We stay there. You know, it's a nice little island resort, some decent cabins. It's just, it's peaceful. I love being up there. Uh, you know, minus not having my son with me, it's about the perfect place to be fishing.
1: Yeah, I can understand that. It's kind of like why I like northern Wisconsin so much. I mean, it, it yeah, it gets pressure, but for the most part, it's not like it is out on, we'll, we'll use Green Bay, for example, or Madison or Pewaukee, you know, one of those fisheries there. It's yeah. just, Get out there and get by yourself, you know, it's kind of just, it, it sort of reminds you of why you got into fishing, I guess, a little bit, you know, it's part of it's about the chase, about the fish, but some of it's just like getting away from things too and just being out in nature.
0: Right. And then, you know, the other bonus is now that hiding retired and guiding, I just, you know, I threw a, a you know, a, a apple little tracker thing in his boat and when we go up north, I just follow him around and catch all the fish after him that he misses. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh uh, yeah. That's from oh, I, I? I should yeah. I should get Steve back on here one of these days too. He's a good guy, great fisherman. Yeah, Lots of lots of knowledge to offer. But uh speaking of knowledge, really- speaking of knowledge, Kevin, before I let you get out of here, um one tip, I guess maybe to help somebody put a muskie in the net this uh early season, particularly on Green Bay.
0: Good tip for on Green Bay early in the season, do not get discouraged with the crowds. Stick it out. Or don't be afraid to say, you know what? I'm gonna go I'm gonna throw the boat on the trailer and run up to Door County. I'm gonna throw the boat on the trailer, run up to Marinette and Menominee. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure up there, but you know, go try it if you haven't done it. Get up there, you know, get away from the masses on the Fox River and just you know, stick with the same game plan when it comes to fishing. You know, smaller twitch bait, crank baits kind of things, you know, single bladed bucktails, small double bucktails, you know, and just Try something, you know, try a new area and a lot of times it'll pay off. And it's just, you might be looking at, you know, you'll be looking at a fair amount of bullets, but you'll be looking at a different crowd. Sometimes too, like I've noticed like the attitude and the, uh, the courtesy of the anglers is a lot better,
1: uh, when you get away from that river, 30 or 40 miles.
0: And definitely, oh yeah, The ultimate secret, make sure you buy the bait from uh, team Rhino Outdoors.
1: <laughs> That's always helpful. Yeah.
0: Hey, and one quick question. Yeah. So you said, did Brad is MIA?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Brad's MIA. He's yeah. he's off fishing, filming some stuff. I don't know. I, I, oh. I don't think I've gotten a phone call from him in like three weeks. I thought maybe they were trying to
0: negotiate for getting Rogers with the Vikings like Farb after he failed with the Jets and went
1: to the Vikings, but maybe not. I don't think that Brad's a Vikings fan. Well, that's good. I thought maybe you were going to say I needed to negotiate with Brad to get him actually back on the show. Like, hey, Brad, I'll, nah. I'll up the ante. If anybody yeah, I'd carry back on the show. Yeah. Well, she's busy, yeah. too. I don't want to interrupt her because she's off doing, you know, she's running the whole show while Brad's off, you know, hanging out and fishing and doing stuff with Chase. So, you know, it's, uh, I don't want to interrupt her and take time away from that because she actually has a business to run. Carrie, I mean. Right. Carrie runs the business, let's just be real, all right? Brad brings a lot to the table, but it's ultimately Carrie's baby. And then you don't get baits to sell, and then this all falls apart. Right, which is not true. I've definitely been getting baits from Carrie. She pumped out a big order (laughs) to us. It's actually sitting on my desk right now waiting to go online. And uh, I don't know, hopefully by the time people hear this podcast, it's out there, but who knows?
0: Right. And then one one last thing, too, is don't... uh, you know, prior when Billy Vekner owned them, I I still throw them the rabbit squirrel. So make sure you pick up a couple rabbit girls for that early season bite. too. Uh, they can they can be very productive as well.
1: Yeah, it's for sure a great bait. I've talked about it many times on the podcast. Doesn't look like much in the water. It's not a whole lot of you know movement in the skirt. There's not a lot of flash. There's not a lot of this or that. But you know whatever it is about those baits, you know muskies just eat them. So it's it's a great bait for that. All right, Kevin. Yes. Yeah. Before we get you out of here, if people are looking to jump in the boat with you this season, how do they go about doing that?
0: My website, layingalineguideservice.com, uh, KR Pishki on Instagram, layingalineguideservice on Facebook, or 920-676-7893. Uh, opener is pretty well booked. Uh, I've got some mid-summer left, which is getting full, and a uh, fall Definitely have a few days less we can fill up as well if people are interested. You know, casting early on, and then once fall rolls around, we'll be, you know, setting up trolling and trolling all them slammers.
1: Sounds good. Well, Kevin, thanks for bailing me out this week. I hope that you have a great start to your season. You get your boat back and get everything geared up so you can uh, enjoy a, a summer on Green Bay and uh, right. another Canadian trip. And we will uh, we'll be in touch, as we usually are, and hopefully we can share the boat this year. That'd be great.
0: Looking forward to
1: it. All right. Well, we want to thank all of our listeners for putting up with us for another episode of Backlash Podcast, and we'll catch everybody with a new episode next week, Wednesday.